This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today I'm going to go through my seven-round mock draft, which I published last weekend. I am also going to talk about the recent surge, thank you Adam Schefter, of Jamal Adams' trade rumors. I'm going to go for about 25 minutes today. We'll have another show or two on this feed prior to the NFL draft on Thursday night. Uh, We'll also have reaction to the Jets' decisions draft weekend on this feed. Separately, if you have not yet, Subscribe at turnonthejets.podbean.com to check out our premium subscription podcast, $9.99, for our 10-part audio docu-series published by Connor Rogers and myself this offseason, along with weekly analysis. This past week, we talked with Danny Kelly of The Ringer about the NFL Draft, and Connor and myself will have a full mega preview of the NFL Draft dropping some point early next week. So that's turnonthejets.podbean.com. For this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, We'll be cranking along here. We'll be cranking along, as always, at TurnOnTheJets.com and on Twitter, at Jay Caparoso, along with all of our other great writers and contributors. Want to start off today's show, and I'm recording this uh, midday on Friday, likely going to release either Friday night or early Saturday. to talk Jamal Adams. So Adam Schefter uh, tweeted this this morning about Jamal Adams uh, deciding to skip Jets virtual voluntary workouts in a vacuum. Not a big deal. Uh, but Schefter, you know, further in that tweet and in a follow up tweet, again, referenced uh, him being someone who was considered to be traded as a potential trade option at the trade deadline. I'm sorry. And him also being a name to watch draft weekend. We know at the trade deadline there were rumors the Jets were heavy in discussions with the Dallas Cowboys about trading Jamal Adams. Uh, he is still two years left on his rookie deal. That being said, there's still been you know periodic little rumblings of uh, how Adams reacts to potential uh, interest in the Cowboys from him. And uh, there's no question that at this point his contract would make him the highest paid safety in the NFL. Eddie Jackson currently has that at four years, $58 million. Adams, I think, fair to say, is a superior player to Jackson and could be looking at something around $70 million over four years, which would make him the highest paid safety in NFL history. Now, again, there's two years left on this deal, and we're already hearing of potential friction between the two sides on whether this contract is going to get done. The Jets, theoretically, don't need to do anything for a while, right? They could have Adams play under his rookie contract. They could franchise tag him. Uh, will the player be satisfied with that? Uh, I don't know, probably not. Uh, Is Adams interested in being here long term? I'm sure he is, especially if he's going to be the highest paid safety in the NFL by a substantial margin. Uh, I do also think uh, there could still be some leftover animosity from him prospectively being traded at the deadline. I don't think the Jets did anything wrong in that situation. Uh, They have been a terrible football team in recent years, which means you look at every avenue for improvement, and you answer every phone call about every player on your team. The Jets have no untouchable players right now because they're 17-31 and 31 over the past three years and haven't made the playoffs in nine years. 
so they only have one all-pro player as it stands right now coming off of last year, who's Adams, who, who is definitely more than a safety. He, you know, his nominal position is safety, but he is someone who moves all over the defense. He can play slot corner. He can play edge rusher. Uh, he was the Jets' best pass rusher last year without question, uh, which is a credit to his talent and also uh, a lack of credit to the rest of their edge rushers and defensive linemen. Um, but this is a tough situation, and I think there's more nuance to it than most Jet fans seem to be taking uh, with it. The thought that you never even answer the phone or entertain the option of trading him is flat-out wrong. Uh, that is a factor of how bad this team has been, how offense is substantially more important than defense in today's NFL, uh, and that the Jets still ma- need massive amounts of help on offense, particularly at premium positions like offensive line, uh, to help Sam Darnold have the best chance to succeed. The thought behind trading Adams, and I outlined this back in January in an article I wrote uh, called The Ambitious Jets Offseason Plan, and it was not meant to be a prediction or a recommendation. It was just one outside-the-box approach the Jets could have taken this offseason, which was built around trading Adams and getting a massive haul of draft picks back which would allow them to rebuild their entire offense uh, with new young players around Sam Darnold. So the thought behind trading Adams would be that you are better off having an above average to maybe even great starting quarterback than you are having an all-world safety. You have an all-world safety right now. He's probably the best safety in the NFL. It has had a minimal impact on your win and loss record over the past three years. If you were just okay at safety overall, you replaced Adams with a replacement level option next to Marcus May, but with what you get back for Adams, you make your offensive line 15% better, you make your wide receivers 15% better, and that in turn makes Sam Darnold 15% better, would the impact on wins and losses be more tangible because your quarterback, the most important position in the sport, is better, and offensive line, the second most position in the sport, is better? I think you can make a fair argument uh, for that. Now, the more complicated part is what do you actually get back for Adams, right? Uh, There were all types of rumors about what was on the table from Dallas. Was it one of their top-tier starting offensive linemen and a first-round pick? Is it two first-round picks? You know, what that combination looks like matters a lot, down to every last detail. My guess is that the Jets have, you know, rumored to be asking for two first-round picks. That's the only way they're going to do this deal. I don't think that's going to happen with anyone. The question is, with Dallas, if Dallas gives you the 17th pick overall in this year's draft, uh, they give you, let's say, they also give you uh, a third-round pick this year and a future second-round pick next year, or they give you that future second-round pick next year and one of their offensive linemen. Uh, someone who would be capable of coming in and being arguably the best lineman on the Jets' offense immediately, uh, whether it's a guard or a tackle. Uh, Do you consider that deal overall? I think if you get two first-round picks, depending on where they're situated, uh, and there's a couple other things dropped around that in the late rounds, that's a really hard thing to turn down. Uh, If Dallas is going to give you Tyron Smith and a first-round pick or something like that, that's another really hard thing to turn down uh, because of the value of offensive tackle. But ultimately, it depends on the full collection. And any, any... trade like this would be uh, complicated, right? It would probably be the Jets getting back three to four total picks while giving up Adams and maybe one of their own later round picks in a pick swap. There could be a player involved to help even out the salaries. Uh, It's not going to be a simple, straightforward, you're getting a first round pick for Jamal Adams, because that I don't think would be enough. 
I would not trade him just for the 17th overall pick from Dallas. You would need more layered on around on top of that, probably a second and third pick and maybe a player, and then the Jets are sending back a late round pick overall. But I think it's completely fine for them to do their due due diligence, and I do think there is a path if they nail the picks and they focus the picks on what is a really talented offensive line and wide receiver class that it ultimately could benefit the team in the long run. Now, the counter to this argument, of course, is that you know what you have in Adams. You know he is a great safety, the best safety in the NFL right now, one of the better, if not best, defensive players in the NFL. Do you think that even if you get the 17th overall pick and you get another second-round pick that you used to package up with your current pick to get a third first-round pick this year, are you going to be able to replace that production? You're not going to find a safety better than Adams, but can you find a tackle who is maybe not in a vacuum as good as Adams, but has a bigger impact on your overall team because of the position he plays or a receiver? Uh, You have to kind of look through how that plays out. And if you miss on the picks, then, you know, it doesn't matter. And this could turn into a potentially disastrous move. But it it is a tough sort of nuanced thing. I, it's hard to predict in my mind what happened, uh, you know, what will happen. You know, Connor and I have talked about this at length uh, on Badlands. And, you know, we've poked around and I've poked around what people around the team and uh, think about this overall situation. And and it's kind of hard to get a straight answer, I think. The general overall situation is that the Jets' front office is brand new, and they're staffed with brand new people in leadership positions, from Joe Douglas to Chad Alexander to Phil Savage uh, to Rex Hogan coming back with this regime. They are open to any and all options right now to improving the roster. Ownership, there is a thought, and this hasn't happened yet to my knowledge, that they might come over, over the top in any situation and force the Jets do not trade Adams and give him whatever he wants in terms of an extension as they're still hurting in some ways uh, from what happened with Darrell Revis. Now that sounds like more of a Woody than Chris Johnson thing. And when is Woody Johnson coming back? Is he coming back? All of that kind of plays into this, which is why it's such a complicated situation. I do think that there is still some bad blood from the Adams side about what happened at the trade deadline. Those tweets didn't come out of nowhere from Adam Schefter today, Right. One, somebody gave him that information and somebody got him to get the trade chatter going again. It's not out of the realm of possibility to think that was from people around Adams who might not want him to spend his entire career with the Jets and maybe want him playing with Dallas long term or maybe want to just push the Jets to get some leverage and get $75 million instead of $70 million or $80 million instead of whatever the initial preliminary conversations were at now. I think... This could just be part of negotiating, or there could be some urgency trying to be created around the NFL draft. Uh, Would I bet on Adams getting traded this weekend or next weekend? No. Uh, Do I think there is more than the 0% to 10% chance that some people seem to think there is right now? Yeah, I I think it's definitely something that could happen. Uh, I wouldn't say it's more likely than not to happen, but I wouldn't be totally floored if something broke Uh, throughout that weekend or right before draft weekend. So it is definitely something to monitor uh, because this has already been discussed. And where there's smoke, there's fire. And if there's discussions, uh, there were discussions that happened at the trade deadline that can get picked back up pretty quickly. And you never know uh, what could happen. Uh, We've seen Revis be traded. We've seen DeAndre Hopkins traded this offseason. Moves happen in the NFL. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. 
uh, for that type of transaction to happen. Again, I wouldn't bet on it or say it's more likely than not to happen, but I would not fully write this off as some crazy thing that is inconceivable. I think the Jets, this new front office, uh, is probably looking again at any and all options to make life as easy as possible for Sam Darnold. And you do that by surrounding him with as much offensive line and wide receiver talent as possible. And the Jets should be able to get one of the top four tackles at number 11, uh, but there is a chance they can't. And when they do that, they're not going to be able to address receiver until day two. So speaking of that, let's pivot into mock draft season, which is in full swing here. I'm usually not myself. I don't go crazy doing 17 different mock drafts. I try to do one to two uh, before the draft every year. I released my first one uh, about a week ago. I'll probably do one more right before the draft hits. And I think we're all sort of following the same beats here that the Jets are very likely to go offensive line in round one and then very likely to look at receiver heavily on day two with maybe further offensive line support. And, uh, you know, I tweeted this the other day, but the Jets need to go offensive line and receiver with two of their first three picks. There's no excuse for them not to. Don't care about the board. Don't care about value. Look at the class. Look at your roster. Look at your quarterback. You address offensive line and wide receiver early. There's no taking the you know the defensive end with your second round pick. There's no taking a safety. There's no taking an inside linebacker. Ignore these positions. Focus on your offense. Take advantage of the talent on offensive line at receiver and go to work at these positions to give Sam Darnold a puncher's chance to, ve- to develop into the talent and productive quarterback that he could and should be able to be at the NFL level, despite not having a quarterback coach, despite having Dowell Loggins as an offensive coordinator, and despite having Adam Gase as his head coach. you got to help this guy out with more talent around him on the offense. So my mock draft that I released, I had them going Mekhi Becton at 11, and that is not necessarily my preference. I would probably actually rank Beckham fourth out of the top four tackles. And I think all four of them are very, very tightly bunched together. I don't think there's a major drop off from any of them. I think Beckton has the highest floor, but maybe the lowest ceiling. I just think he's the one most likely to be there at 11. I think Andrew Thomas is so pro ready uh, and can start on day one and be a plus starter. I just find it hard to believe he's there at 11. If he is, the Jets would take him with one second. Not Pretty easy choice. I think him and Je- Jedrick Wills are really the top two guys, and Jet fans should be ecstatic if they get one of those two guys and also still be pretty damn happy if they get Beckton or Tristan Wirfs. All four of these guys are starting day one for the Jets. Some are going to have it smoother than others, uh, but that is who I just think is most likely to be there at 11. I do think one of the four guys will be there at 11, and the Jets will take them. For my second round pick, I actually double dipped that receiver and went back to the well with Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU, a guy who I think could bounce between center and guard, just like Connor McGovern could bounce between center and guard. My general sentiment here is don't be surprised if the Jets go to the interior offensive line well on day two. This is a class where you could find starters in round two and round three. And the Jets guard situation, despite popular belief, in my mind is not good, really. You're paying Greg Van Routen backup money. Uh, Alex Lewis is back on a pretty low-cost contract, and Brian Winters is still under contract. And you've got three guys who are major durability concerns and generally below-average starters, I would say. So why not add more young talent to go around Connor McGovern if you could grab a guy like that on day two or day three? And I think Cushenberry uh, is more likely to be there than a guy like Cesar Ruiz, who I think is going to pop into the back half of the first round. 
uh, as we get into you know the two round three picks and along with the round two pick it's it's what receivers who's going to be there it's almost impossible to predict uh, which receivers are going to fall where because there's so much talent concentrated in these top likely 100 picks I most people's big boards have somewhere between 14 and 20 receivers in the top 100 which is insane and there's going to be a ton of different names thrown out uh, for the Jets it's just a matter of who's going to be there and my particular mock I went with Brian Edwards and Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, with their back-to-back third-round picks. Edwards, there's definitely a bit of a risk here, right? Uh, he's coming off you know, a pair of injuries. Apparently, he's going to be recovered and ready for football activities whenever they resume. Uh, but I think a guy who could really provide a lot of value and upside, great size at 6'3", 220 pounds, uh, was a playmaker in that South Carolina offense. And I think the injury concerns are going to push him lower than he should go. Uh, and would be a player who is a perfect fit for a day three swing. Uh, Peoples-Jones, another guy uh, with some size who probably wasn't as productive as he should have been in college, mostly because of uh, a weak quarterback and weak overall offensive situation. But I kind of wonder if he could play that Quincy Inouye type role in an NFL offense if Inouye can't prove to be healthy for the Jets. Now, Those are two of many different names that could be there. Could the Jets go Pittman in round two? Yes, I think that'd be a pick most of us would be really happy with. Um, Could they go get a guy like K.J. Hamler? Sure, different style of receiver, but I think that could prospectively be an option that they look at. A ton of other names, you know, floating around there from Mims. Uh, I don't think Justin Jefferson is going to get out of the first round. Van Jefferson, the son of Sean Jefferson, is going to be a popular pick to mock to the Jets. A little bit of an older prospect with probably a lower ceiling, but maybe more pro-ready than some of these other guys. going to be fascinating to see which one or two receivers the Jets end up going with uh, with these first four picks, and I hope they're, they double-dip early is what I'm hoping for overall. I think as you look at the rest of their picks, they have two in round six, one in round four, and one in round five. I would bet the Jets are going to draft a cornerback. That is actually a position I wouldn't be shocked that they took, uh, potentially with one of their first four picks. If they don't, uh, I would look to them to definitely address that in day three. I had them looking at Danny Holmes from UCLA uh, and also Dane Jackson from Pittsburgh in round six. I don't think they're going to be shy at looking at potential long-term slot corners behind Brian Poole. And we'll also just generally be looking for Physical corners who can make an impact on special teams from day one. But corner will be a position I think you see addressed, maybe earlier than most people expect. Uh, Antonio Gibson is a guy that I pegged in uh, round five, and I think Connor also had him in his mock. Just a guy who could do a little bit of everything, play running back, play receiver, uh, add a little juice to that Jets offense, and they need more depth behind Le'Veon Bell. They don't have a backup running back at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure if and when we're going to see the Jets take a swing at an edge rusher. I had them looking at uh, Trayvon Hill from Miami uh, in round six in this draft, but anyone that you're getting in round five or round six, that's a developmental swing and you're you're kind of throwing darts at that point. So I do hope that some of those dart throws land at corner edge and running back even, uh, if not even further receiver. You want guys who could be potential game breakers and instant offense uh, to help support Sam Darnold. But Look, I think, you know, day three is going to be a little more unpredictable in many ways for the Jets, whereas I think day one and two, you know, these four picks, if the Jets aren't going to trade in any direction, you know, they don't trade Adams, they don't trade back. Out of those four picks, you know you're getting an offensive lineman. You know you're getting a receiver. The question is, where do the other two picks go? Do you double dip at offensive line? Do you double dip at receiver? 
Do you double dip at both and your four picks are just offensive lineman and receiver? Or if you don't, what is the other position that breaks through there? If there is another one, I think corner is the one that comes to mind most frequently for me. Uh, depending on how the board breaks overall, I certainly hope the Jets are not looking corner at 11. No offense to C.J. Henderson. I want no part of him with the 11th overall pick. The Jets got to find a way to go offense and hopefully get Wills and Thomas. Those are you know, my 1A and 1B that I'm really hoping for, but hard to be disappointed if they get Becton or worse. I think both or all four would be really good value at 11, uh, and you just got to hope that one of the four of them are there. If they're not... Uh, you get stuck in a situation where you're trying to trade back, and I don't know if he can, or do they shut all of us up and just take one of the big receivers at number 11? Do they take Judy? Do they take Lamb? I would not bet on that happening. It would mean that the Jets are doing a hell of a job running smoke about how they're not going to take a receiver uh, in the first round, and maybe they are, and maybe they'll surprise us and they'll go Judy or Lamb. Uh, I think you can make a fair argument if the top four tackles are gone that that's exactly where they should go with that pick. And I'd rather they went that way with that pick rather than uh, a cornerback or even that, even an edge rusher uh, with the value that would be there at 11. But, you know, as we're about a week out, a little less, I think Jet fans should be optimistic going into this draft that they're going to get a new starting tackle on in round one. And it's been a long time since they've done that, since 2006 to be specific. And that was a great draft class for this team that really laid the groundwork for them to be competitive in 2006 immediately, but then also 2008, 2009, and 2010. That was the core of the team that Rex Ryan got to the AFC Championship game. Uh, And all it takes is one great draft class to really turn things around. I don't know, you know, I love Joe Douglas's resume. I got no idea whether he's capable of pulling that off yet. No one does. He's never been in the GM seat for an NFL draft, but I am optimistic they're going to get a tackle on day one. So that's going to wrap today's episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, We will be back with another episode on this feed before the NFL draft. I can promise you that. You should also subscribe to It's badlands at turnonthejets.podbean.com. It will be worth your $10. I promise you will get more than enough content for that amount of money. Hope everyone is staying safe. Hope everyone enjoys their weekend. And we've just about made it to the NFL draft. So we'll talk soon.